Hello and welcome to the ANL Good Body Soundbite series of legal updates. My name is Michelle McLaughlin and I'm here today with my colleague Liam Murphy from the Knowledge Team. Today we will discuss some learnings from a recent High Court case, Kennedy and Others and Ward, which serves as a cautionary reminder for those drafting settlement agreements of the importance of setting out all of the intended commercial terms in the binding agreement. This was a case arising out of a mediated settlement during which parties to the settlement signed a negotiated binding heads of terms, which we'll call the heads. Under the settlement, the defendant consented to summary judgment if certain payments were not made. There was a subsequent dispute about the payment of the consideration related to the source of the consideration and the plaintiff sought summary judgment. Thanks, Michelle. The case throws up some interesting legal points. First, the defendant argued that a clause in the heads that set out dates for the various consideration payments was nothing more than an agreement to agree. The court held that to be wrong. The heads were labelled as binding and there was nothing in the document that limited that expression of an intention to be bound. While the heads clearly envisaged that further work and professional advice would be undertaken to complete the transaction, they were the outcome of a mediated settlement at which both parties had the benefit of legal advice and specifically agreed a number of commercial matters. If the defendant had intended certain elements of the heads to be conditional, for example on securing finance from external sources, or not binding, this should have been expressly set out. Another point to mention is an argument raised by the defendant relating to his ability to nominate a nominee to acquire the shares being transferred. The heads provided that the plaintiffs would facilitate the transfer of shares to the defendant or his nominees. The defendant argued that this provision should be interpreted broadly, that he was entitled unilaterally to nominate the target companies and in so doing to utilise the target company's cash reserves to fund the transaction. The court viewed this as a novel proposition and held that it could not interpret the nominee wording in this manner. If the parties had in fact intended this outcome, then again this should have been specifically provided for in the heads. A point that caught my attention relates to the tax efficiency clause. The heads included language commonly used in settlement agreements, that all sums to be paid would be structured in a tax efficient way for the parties. The defendant argued that he could use the cash reserves of the target companies to fund payment of the consideration, ensuring a better tax outcome for him. However, this potentially would trigger higher taxes for the plaintiffs. The courts rejected this interpretation of the tax efficiency clause. It was of the view that this interpretation of the defendants of the clause amounted to more than tax planning. Instead, it went to the very sourcing of the consideration. And if this was intended, then it should have been specifically set out in the heads. I think the key takeaway from the case is that parties must be very clear when drafting agreements where specific outcomes are intended. If parties intend elements of an agreement not to be binding or to be subject to further negotiation, this must be expressly carved out from any binding provisions. One party cannot later unilaterally interpret negotiated clauses to suit their own interests, especially after signing expressly binding terms. That's all from us on this occasion. 
If you would like further information on any of the issues discussed today, please get in touch with us or any member of the Knowledge Team. You can also check out the ANL Goodbody website at algoodbody.com. Thank you for listening.